Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we look at the latest escalation in tensions between Russia and Ukraine, how it has impacted markets, and what, if anything, investors should do in response. With Miles Sherry, investment consultant, Luke Pierce, senior investment strategist, and Maya Welford, behavioural finance specialist. If you are new to investing, want to learn more about investing, or want tips on how to manage your long-term financial plans, check out our sister podcast channel, Money Plan, available on Apple, Spotify and SoundCloud. Hello and welcome to a very timely episode of Word on the Streets. Now, all attention today is on the Russian invasion of Ukraine following the latest developments last night. And I appreciate we might sound a little off tone talking about markets right now. And it goes without saying the humanitarian impact this has and will sadly have on countless lives is by far the most pressing point here. Our thoughts, of course, go to all those affected. But ultimately, our role is to remain calm and help you, our clients, navigate these situations. So we will try to unpick what this all means for markets and how investors should go about navigating this pretty precarious situation. Luke, I have no doubt everyone is keeping their eyes firmly glued to the news and things are, of course, moving quickly. But it's perhaps just worth briefly recapping where we stand as we actually record this today on Thursday afternoon. Yeah, sure. So following an escalation of tensions, uh, which include uh, Vladimir Putin recognising the independence of two territories of eastern Ukraine, Uh, as you mentioned, Russia has now launched an invasion of Ukraine. Um, Prior to the invasion, we had seen some initial sanctions already imposed by the West. Uh, So that includes things like financial restrictions, mobility restrictions for certain individuals, uh, as well as actually Germany halting the final approval of the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. Um, But given the latest developments, the West has now promised more severe sanctions. We heard from Prime Minister Johnson in his latest statement uh, this afternoon, and we are due for more clarity soon on what further sanctions the US and others will impose. We're expecting that, I think, this afternoon or perhaps tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. As I said, things are moving quickly and we'll see how things develop. But those waking up to news of the invasion this morning would probably be forgiven for thinking that markets like, say, the FTSE 100 in the UK might be down a lot more than around about minus 3% as it currently stands. So is that possibly a sign why, at least from a market's perspective, this is potentially a time to remain calm? And you and the team are always looking at what's already priced in. And whilst we have seen a wobble in markets recently, this full invasion we are seemingly seeing clearly wasn't completely priced in, was it? That's exactly right. So if you look prior to today, we had seen markets begin to wobble a a little bit over the increasing escalations. Uh, But obviously, given the moves that we've seen today, it's clear that markets weren't anticipating uh, an invasion. And you can really tell this by how exceptionally swift the market moves have been. Um, So the Russian stock market has lost more than a third of its value in just the last few days alone. While if you look to that currency, the ruble, that's depreciated significantly versus the US dollar. Uh, And if you look to yields on Russian government bonds, they've also substantially risen in recent days. So investors are sort of increasingly concerned over a potential Russian default. And then, as you mentioned, we've also seen some spillover into other kind of broader financial markets. So alongside other risk assets, stock markets have fallen anywhere between sort of two to four percent. Safe haven assets such as US or UK government bonds, they have found uh, a bit of support and they've rallied. 
And energy prices have also substantially risen. So oil is now hovering at around about $100 per barrel at the time of recording. The actual impact on the global economy remains to be seen, but I do think the increase that we're seeing in energy prices could fuel further concerns over the near-term outlook for inflation, uh, for which there was already quite a lot of angst about anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we'll we'll come back to inflation and policy implications later on. But in terms of what this means for portfolios, it's probably worth just highlighting that we have very, very low direct exposure to the Russian stock market in portfolios, which, as you said, is probably the region most in the red. And again, remember that even our highest risk portfolios are still well diversified and not solely invested in, say, stocks. So the headlines that we're reading on an hourly basis at the moment do not directly correspond uh, to two portfolios, say, say one for one. And whilst our exposure to safer haven assets like government bonds is lower than it was prior to our long term asset allocation review, actually around this time last year, that will, of course, still offer a degree of resilience. And to your point there, Luke, around a further increase in energy prices, remember, too, that some of our multi-asset class portfolios have commodities exposure, which we materially increased our allocation to during that review. And that's performing well, something our regular listeners will have heard as reference countless times before. The other point is that the conflict, for now at least, is focused within Europe and the bulk of client exposure to developed stocks sits outside mainly within the U.S., But even when considering Europe, we actually heard from two of our third party managers that we invested with earlier this week. And one made the point that some of the companies they hold, just as an example, have full order books going out for the next year or two. So not all companies within Europe may actually be that directly impacted by what is going on. But clearly, time will tell in that regard. Maya, let's bring you in here, because often in times like this, from, I guess, a behavioral finance perspective, reacting feels the most comfortable thing for us to do. But in reality, it doesn't actually tend to be the best thing to do, does it? You're right, Miles. So we tend to prefer doing something rather than doing nothing. And actually, this is called action bias. So even if there's no indication that doing something will lead to a better outcome, we often still actually feel compelled to act. So taking action or doing something can be linked with being busy and productive. And I know for me, something... This is something that which nowadays a lot of people seem to like to be perceived as. As you mentioned, it can feel comfortable to act, especially during times like this. This comes from the human need to feel in control and taking action, even if it's not necessarily the right thing to do, provides us with that comfort as we feel we have the capacity to impact subsequent outcomes. But as you mentioned, it's not always the best thing to do. Now to bring this to life with an analogy, let's think about a time when we've been stuck in traffic or seeing delay signs on the motorway. We might feel tempted to pull off the motorway and use back roads to do something rather than just sit in traffic. But actually this could end up using more petrol and taking longer to to get to our final destination. We're inclined to take the route which psychologically will feel like we're making progress, but actually it would probably have been more efficient to stay put. Yeah, it's a funny one, that uh, that action bias. We all have that human inclination to do it, don't we? And I know you and Rob uh, hold Luke and the team to account in exactly the same way to make sure they don't make knee-jerk reactions, at least when considering our tactical asset allocation and any changes there. But Luke, the peak of war, if you like, tends to be at the start of a crisis. But regardless of that, there will be clients, particularly those actually who have lower composure, who may ask if now is the time to go to cash. So how are you and the team thinking about that in terms of these latest developments? 
Yeah, whilst obviously incomparable to, to those uh, sort of actually affected, investors will still likely f- be feeling you know quite a lot of angst and, and probably a lot of uncertainty, um, certainly in the short term. Um, to be frank, we don't have a strong view on what happens from here, but we still would caution investors from making any kind of wholesale changes to their portfolios. And as we've already discussed, markets have already reacted pretty swiftly and prices have already adjusted. So you know, there are countless professionals, ourselves included, trying to eke out returns where they can for clients. And so to consider making changes to your portfolio from here, what you must believe is that markets are missing something. You know, you have to believe that from here on out, you have an informational edge that you can analyze the different probabilities of each outcome and then analyze how you will be rewarded under each outcome as well. Needless to say, this is exceptionally tricky to do. Yeah. And as I've alluded to, I think the confidence that, that anyone can have in what happens next uh, and especially the market's reaction to that should be exceptionally low. I think the other thing to probably bear in mind, you know, particularly at this point or when thinking about selling down investments in the face of kind of turbulence is that during periods of heightened volatility, large negative returns um, tend to cluster alongside large positive returns. So the best days in the market are right next to the worst. And that's really just one of the reasons why why market timing, not just this event, but any other, uh, any other event or situation is, is so difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a very, very good point indeed. But look, no one knows, of course, exactly how this is going to play out. But politics and conflict are ultimately part of the investment journey, I guess, alongside countless other risks, in truth. There have been many examples over the years of conflict. But in reality, the impact on markets has not actually always been that material, particularly at least for for long-term investors. We can't, of course, simply assume that this will happen again, things, of course, could escalate further from here, but it does provide at least a degree of context, doesn't it? Yeah, of, of course, this time could could always be different, but I think you're right. Historically, the impact of conflicts on well-diversified portfolios tends to be short-lived. As you mentioned, we, of course, cannot make any guarantees of this this time around. But what you, what you do find is that investing mistakes are often made when your time horizon shrinks to days or weeks, rather than maintaining a, a long-term focus. You know, as, as you alluded to, there will always be risks and always reasons not to remain invested. And understandably, there's almost a, a sort of stigma associated with you know risk and uncertainty. But I would almost flip this on, on its head slightly and, and reframe it. You know, yes, it can be uncomfortable, but in a sense, it's what we are compensated for assuming as investors taking on that risk, taking on that uncertainty. And the fact that we can't easily predict future downturns in the stock market is a big part of the reason why we can expect to earn a larger return than cash over the long run. So investing must be risky in order to earn a return. And so the goal with investing is is not to avoid risk altogether. It's really to try and determine which risks are worth their potential rewards. And ultimately, that's what myself and, and the rest of the team are constantly trying to figure out. As we've talked about, we can't possibly know exactly what the future holds, um, which is why diversification is so key. It helps combat some of that uncertainty that, that comes with investing. So I think the main message to long-term investors from us would be Try not to focus on sidestepping the inevitable downswings in markets. It's, it's a very unrealistic goal, um, especially in circumstances like these. 
Um, investors are far, far better served holding a well-diversified portfolio that they can actually stick with during the inevitable ups and downs of markets and actually focusing on your long-term goals, which I think is even more important at times like these. Maya, the other point from a behavioral finance perspective here is that everyone is ultimately unique in how they think. Now, so some, you know, they may well be quite calm at the moment, but there will be some clients who are much nervier. So what reassurance and potential tips can you can you give to them? Mm, of course. So we need to remember that people have different responses to the same situation. So as you mentioned, there, there are going to be some clients and, and listeners who are feeling nervous right now. Here in the team, we spend a lot of time thinking about our clients' financial personalities. So there are different dimensions that make up someone's financial personality, such as risk tolerance, delegation, and composure. It's likely that, that those individuals who are risk averse and have low composure, as you mentioned earlier, Miles, are currently feeling concerned about their investments. So in terms of some tips, I think being aware of the action bias, as we discussed earlier, will be really, really helpful. Knowing that we have a natural tendency to take action, even though that might not be best, will help us to identify when we're doing this. Obviously, it's easier said than done. But if we take a step back and look at the bigger and longer term picture, which Luke just alluded to, it will help us to make better decisions, particularly when it comes to our investments. Thinking back to that example of being stuck in traffic, while our immediate inclination is to find an alternative route away from the motorway, taking a moment to reassess will likely lead to a better outcome. It's important to note, though, that the aim isn't to eliminate action in response to a situation completely, but to ensure we're considering the option of not acting instead of defaulting to action for action's sake. You could also try and manage your expectations. We know that investing carries risks, which can feel unsettling in the short term due to not knowing exactly when the value of our investments may rise or fall. If you try to get comfortable with expecting short-term losses and take comfort in the very likely long-term gains, it will be a more positive experience overall. Listeners might also want to think about how they feel or how they might feel if they take the move to sell out and then markets recover as events progress. Think about the regret that you as an investor would feel. Risky assets have had a jolt reaction and it could be that it doesn't turn out as bad as this move indicates. Obviously, we can't guarantee that. And a final point from me, we could also reframe this as an opportunity to take advantage of the natural reaction many investors will likely experience, particularly because of the prospect of losses feels way more emotionally painful than potential gains. Could this be a good time to get invested? Obviously, we, we don't know where exactly the bottom will be in the short term, but it's definitely something to think about. Absolutely. Yeah. Some, some useful food for thought there. And I think that point on selling is particularly important because look, moving into cash in March 2020 may have felt like the most comfortable option. I don't think you could kind of begrudge anyone for doing that. But as you say, we can't just assume that markets will recover. What is happening now is a completely different context, but markets yeah. can rebound. And then getting back in feels equally hard from that kind of emotional perspective. But Luke, let's go back to commodities, which we mentioned earlier, because as you said, oil has now passed $100 a barrel and Ukraine and Russia are both quite significant in terms of food, particularly the wheat market, actually, and energy. So could this send inflation even higher? And importantly, do you therefore think central bankers may turn a little less hawkish in terms of monetary policy, or might they actually need to slam the brakes on even harder, potentially further disrupting markets? 
Yeah, so you are seeing near-term inflation expectations rise quite, quite considerably uh, as a result of uh, the soaring energy prices, uh, and that will give central bankers uh, a lot more to even think about. Even prior to this, actually, inflation was continuing to surprise to the upside, and central banks were really seen as needing to act more quickly and more aggressively to try and keep a lid on expectations from spiraling or, or getting out of control or becoming unanchored. And that's why largely you've seen two hikes from the Bank of England and many more expected to come. I think one other thing to note on the inflation front is that we are actually seeing a broadening in inflationary pressures. And you can kind of see this in the last two or three inflation readings if you dig underneath the, the headline levels. So certain categories are still driving outside gains in inflations. So for example, in the US, used cars are still amounting to a very big disproportionate amount of the overall inflation basket. But other components are also registering larger increases in prices too. So if you couple that with a strong recovery in labor markets and of solid wage growth in particular, there is arguably now a lot more for central banks to worry about. That said, you have actually seen pricing unwind a little bit in the near term, so less hikes being priced in than, say, a week ago. Um, but actually, I think the inflationary outlook is, is probably skewed a little bit more to the upside in terms of risks. Got it. Look, we'll, we'll clearly see how things develop. But as ever, the message from us in summary is to try and stay calm and really focus on those long-term goals that both you and Maya uh, talked about because Luke and the whole investment team are all over this as professionals and will ultimately make tweaks to our asset allocation as and when they ultimately deem appropriate. But look, thanks to both Luke and Maya for joining me today. It's a pretty short notice in truth, much appreciated. And as I said at the start, our thoughts are with all those affected. But we'll speak again soon next week. All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.